welcome to Language Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond where we share our experiences of language learning with you, as well as the stories of other Australians and a few international guests who love learning, working with and communicating using other languages. I'm Penny. And I'm Beck, and we'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording today, the Wadawurrung people, the Wurundjeri people and the Darawal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Now, Penny, we're excited today, as always, when we do have a guest. We have a guest with us, Michelle. Welcome to Language Chats. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) Now, Michelle, before we get into anything else, I just wanted to call out, because I feel it's very important, it is Eurovision week. Well, at the time of recording, it is Eurovision Week 2023. Um, By the time this episode comes out, we will know who has won Eurovision. We do not yet. But I love Eurovision and I just thought that, like, I I can't not say something because in this week of weeks, it's Eurovision, everything feels glittery and sparkly and great and I love it. Are you into Eurovision at all, Michelle? (laughs) Uh, Honestly, I didn't even realise it was this week. (laughs) Well, now you know. Penny, are you into Eurovision? I feel like you're not. (laughs) I'm kind of with Michelle, except I did know (laughs) that it was this week, but that's probably just because I've seen the ads on SBS. But but I'm very excited that you are very excited, Beth, because (laughs) I can feel the energy coming down my microphone through my computer. Um, And, yes, I'm excited also for all our other, you know, (laughs) Eurovision, Eurovision crazed fans out there who well, were... the reason I was going to bring it up as well, not just because obviously I'm very excited about Eurovision and are willing to get up at 5am on a Sunday to watch the final, um, but also because it's actually a really kind of language related event, I think in lots of ways. And as a, as a language lover, part of the reason that I find Eurovision really exciting is because like... It's so great when you hear, like lots of people do perform in English these days, but it's so good when you get to hear really interesting and like new and fun songs in other languages too. So for all the other language lovers out there, if you haven't watched Eurovision before, now is your chance. I'm sure at this point, even though it will all be done, you'll be able to watch it on replay online. There will be videos um, in Australia. You can watch it on SBS um, and on SBS On Demand. But if you want to find, I'm sure there will be a plethora of content available online to check out Eurovision 2023. Before we move on, Beck, do you have like a hot tip? Is there a country performer that you think could be likely to take it out this year? Uh, Look, I mean, there are some very good ones. I will say I think Sweden's got a very good chance. Mm -hmm. Um, The performer for Sweden has actually won Eurovision before. Her name is Laureen. Is that allowed? Um, uh, yes. Okay. So you can compete. You can compete more than once. Okay. Um, but she won back in I think 2012 um, with a song called Euphoria. And I feel like if you heard it, you'd probably recognize it. You may not know it by name, but you might be like, hmm, maybe I was walking around in like I don't know somewhere in Europe and I heard that it's as like, I walked through an H H&M. and M. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like it was that kind of song about 10 years ago. Um, anyway, she's competing again and her song is great. Finland's song is all kinds of kind of wacky but very catchy um, and I think that is worth a listen just for the fun of it. Um, also, of course, Australia takes part in Eurovision now too and uh, our um, 
our representative is a band called Voyager. They're from Perth um, and they're pretty good as well. Very like 80s kind of synth rock type thing. Anyway, it's all very great. Love Lots it. of fun. I encourage you all to get into it. But from a language lover's point of view, also really fun. Anyway, so we have a guest, Michelle. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for joining us and for putting up with my Eurovision enthusiasm. No, I love hearing about other people's <laughs> passions, even if I don't share them. <laughs> now, Michelle, you are a fellow language lover. Um, we both know you because you have been a member, actually, of the um, Language Lovers AU community um, for quite a while now. And also, mm-hmm. I think we both met you, actually, at the Women in Language Conference um, a couple of years ago now. Yes. yes. I was at the Women in Language Conference, my first foray into the language learning community, which was such a positive experience. It was incredible. Fantastic. Well, that definitely, um, I think, reflects what we have always felt about the Women in Language Conference too. Always loved it and had a very good time um, enjoying meeting lots of other fellow language lovers um, and hearing lots of really cool things. So, Michelle, tell us a little bit about yourself and how how you became interested in language um, and, you know, a little bit maybe about when you were growing up. Did you have any language influences then and, and what do you do now? Yeah, okay. It's a long story. So when I was growing up, I was growing up on the outskirts of Sydney, a little town with a very monolingual English environment. So I didn't have any languages surrounding me growing up. But when I was in primary school, in year year six, we actually had a French teacher come in to teach us. I can't remember for how long. I think it was a couple of months. And it was just once a week, just a couple of little French phrases. We were, you know, 11, 12 years old. But I absolutely loved the fact that my name rhymed when I said Je m'appelle Michelle. It rhymed and I absolutely loved that. I just felt so special, <laughs> which is a little bit silly now, but I loved it. And so that was my first introduction to another language. That was in year six. And when I went to high school in year seven, I actually did French for one term, German for one term and Japanese for one term because our school had three languages and they wanted to give us a little bit of a taste of all of them. And that was actually the only compulsory language that we did. So three terms of language, three different languages. So as you can imagine, we didn't learn a lot (laughs) in one term. But I actually really enjoyed it and I really liked the teacher. So I kept studying German and Japanese up until the end of year 10. And I remember at one point someone asked me, don't you get confused doing two languages? Because I was actually the only student at the school that was studying both languages. Most people would choose one or the other or neither. And I remember being so confused when they asked me that. Because to me, it was like asking, do you get confused between history and geography? To me, they were just two completely different subjects. But I really enjoyed it, but I didn't really learn to speak anything. But besides the little oral exams that you do at school, but I just really enjoyed it. When I got to year 11, I didn't continue with the languages because at the time, I was a really good student. I was doing really well with everything and languages weren't really valued. And so it wasn't, 
It wasn't really expected that I would continue with languages. So instead, I did things like physics and chemistry and history and English and maths. And I never really got back into the language learning. So that was the end of my language learning as far as formal study went. And then it wasn't till about maybe eight years later that I just decided that I wanted to learn Italian. I'd never learned Italian before. It was pretty random, but I loved history and I really liked the idea of maybe going to Italy one day. And I thought, oh, I should learn Italian. So I actually signed up for a TAFE course. It used to be called OTAN. It was a correspondence TAFE course. And back then, this was in 2008 or thereabouts, the way they did the online courses wasn't actually online. They'd mail out things to you and then you would record yourself on a cassette tape what and mail it back past. to do your assessments. Wow. And this is this, this, is this century. <laughs> yes. This was 2008. The internet did exist. Just, yeah, they just didn't use it. Uh, so I actually didn't finish it. It was a year-long course and I enjoyed learning the language, but it was such a hassle having to record mm. myself on a cassette, send it, a couple of weeks later get the feedback and I just couldn't learn like that. But I did enjoy learning the language. And then fast forward a little bit to 2012 was the first time I travelled to Europe. And I remember... This one time I was in Italy and I didn't speak very much Italian, but I said grazie to a bus driver getting off a bus and he said prego. And it was an amazing feeling. I thought to myself, I have just communicated with someone in another language and it was just amazing. He understood what I said He responded in that language. He didn't respond in English. And it was just the most amazing feeling. And it was then that it really struck me, oh, wow, I could learn a language and actually communicate with people, not just to learn it as an academic exercise, to actually learn it and actually communicate with other people. So I absolutely loved that experience. And I didn't actually do much with it after that. But in 2014, I actually went back to Europe for a 11 month long solo trip. And during that time, I spent my first six weeks in Italy. And I started listening to a podcast called Coffee Break Italian. And during those six weeks, I was able to actually talk to people in Italian, using the little, tiny little bit of Italian that I'd learned. And it was just incredible. I loved it. And by the end of my six weeks in Italy, of course, my Italian wasn't great, but I could actually communicate. I could get things. I could order things. I could talk to people just a tiny little bit. And it was just such an amazing feeling. And I was actually quite sad to leave Italy. But then my next stop was uh, Innsbruck in Austria. And I remember going, it was uh, December. It was during the Christmas market season, which I absolutely love. Mm. And I remember going to a Christmas market in Innsbruck and I bought something and they asked me something. And I had gotten used to not understanding 
what people said. And they asked me something in German. I had no idea what it was. So I just said yes, because I'd gotten used to saying either yes or no when I didn't understand something. Most of the time it worked out. Sometimes it was something I didn't want, but most of the time it worked out. So I said yes, but I said yes in Italian. Then I said yes in French. Then I said yes in English. And then I said yes in German. And the woman just laughed at me in a nice way, not in a mean way. And I was laughing as well. And I said to her, I'm so sorry. I've just spent six weeks in Italy. I've been learning Italian and I'm just really confused. (laughs) I just, I actually really loved that experience. It could have been really embarrassing, but I actually really loved it. I thought to myself, I've just said the same word in four different languages (laughs) and it's fantastic. I have no idea where the French came from, but (laughs) (laughs) it was such an amazing experience. And after that trip, I decided that I really wanted to get into learning German in particular, because I'd loved German at school and I loved my time in Germany and Switzerland and Austria. And I thought to myself, I want to learn one language and learn it well learn it well enough to actually communicate. So that was kind of my starting point to rediscover German. Oh, wow. I love, I love the, um, the story when you were saying about, you know, saying yes in all these different languages and finally getting to the one that you, you know, wanted to say because I feel like all of us can have, you know, relate to that story in some way. Um, and it is... It's like embarrassing, but at the same time, it's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> my mind is doing this for me and it clearly knows what it's trying to do. And wow, I've got these languages in my head and aren't I amazing? Um, yeah, that's so exactly the it's, feeling. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a, you know, a dual kind of thing going on. Um, so take us back to when you were in Austria and you, you made this decision then to go, okay, German is the language that I want to focus on. You had this great experience initially, but, you know, German really captured you. And so what what happened then? What did you decide to do from then onwards? I was in Europe for 11 months. After I got back to Australia, I needed a little bit of recovery time. So I didn't really do anything straight away. It wasn't until probably about 2017, possibly, that I thought to myself, okay, let's get serious about this. I re-listened to all the episodes of Coffee Break German and then I started to look around for what else existed. And so I started to look up some German textbooks to have a look at what else existed online, to look at some podcasts and I started Duolingo. And I know a lot of people have negative things to say about Duolingo. Some people have positive things to say about Duolingo, but I actually really, really enjoyed it. And I got a lot out of it because what I was doing is I was using Duolingo and I was writing notes. Mm. So after every single lesson, I'd write down everything that I learned. I'd look up the translations of any words I wasn't sure of. I'd look up the grammar information And I was basically putting together a whole notebook for myself of German just from the Duolingo exercises. And so I did that for about two years, just Duolingo and the Coffee Break German podcast. 
writing notes and doing that kind of thing. And then I decided to branch out a little bit. I started listening to some more podcasts, particularly Easy German, when their podcast started. I love all the Easy Languages Mm. podcasts and videos. And so I started listening to their podcast and I was pretty amazed because I wasn't anywhere near fluent in German, but I could understand most of what they were saying, which I really loved that feeling. So then I actually started listening to more podcasts in German, not for learners, just podcasts in German. And I couldn't understand probably 70% of it, but the 30% that I could understand, I just really, really enjoyed the idea of being able to listen to something in another language and actually get the gist of what they were talking about, if not everything. And so I continued doing that. Then 2020, I actually, right as the pandemic hit, I went back to university and was studying linguistics. And as part of my study, I decided that I wanted to do a German class. And so there wasn't any German offered at the uni I was at but I was able to do a class at UNE in German and I did a placement test and they said that I could go into the second year German course. And once I found out exactly what the class consisted of, I started to panic because the actual class itself, which was online, of course, this was back in 2020, everything was online and the class was a conversation class. So we learnt the theory just through the textbook and the online portal, but the actual class itself, we were expected to speak in German, which I really hadn't done up until that point. And so I started panicking a little bit and I signed up to italki and I booked some lessons and I found some fantastic teachers and tutors And I started having lessons about three or four times a week. And I absolutely loved it. Actually speaking to someone else in this language. Not very good at first, but I found that my confidence just grew and grew and grew the more I was speaking. That's, yeah, that's amazing. The commitment to your conversation practice with those, you know, regular italki sessions and then fronting up for uni classes as well. Um, we've had a few people speak really highly of the UNE kind of language um, curriculums. How did you find uni language study after being kind of an independent solo learner through podcasts and those kind of things? Was the transition kind of like a bit of a, a jolt to the system or did you kind of just slot in and roll with it? It was interesting. I really enjoyed the actual classes where we were actually speaking the German. I didn't really enjoy the teaching side of things, the way they explained it in the material that we had. I just felt like it wasn't the kind of topics that I wanted to talk Mm. about. I remember the first topic in the textbook was about how do you finance your studies? And I thought to myself, I don't talk about this in English. Why would I talk about this in German? And it just seemed so disconnected for me, 
disconnected from my life and what I wanted to talk about. So I think the fact I was having the italki lessons at the same time where I was actually talking about topics that I was interested in and having these really interesting and fun discussions made a huge difference. I think if I was only doing the university class, I would have, I don't know that I would have stopped, but I definitely wouldn't have I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as I did. I ended up enjoying it. And at the same time, I was actually doing German Uncovered, the online course uh, from Ollie Richards, and that really, really helped. So I think for me personally, the university class by itself wouldn't have been enough and wouldn't have been satisfying. Mm. Michelle, it's really interesting to hear, I think, the range of different resources, but also like methods of learning that I think you've you kind of dipped in and out of over over the years. It just goes to show the real like spectrum of stuff that I think is available to us all now. But also I love to hear how you've used things at different at different times and how they have been of use to you at different moments in your kind of learning journey Um, because it definitely sounds like, you know, when you you were talking about Duolingo, for example, or Coffee Break um, and which I'm sure um, all of these different things that you have mentioned, um, people will love to hear the feedback, in particular the Coffee Break team who, um, for anybody who hasn't listened to this episode from a couple of years ago now, we actually um, interviewed um, Mark Pendleton who is the uh, founder of Coffee Break. Um, So you can go back and listen to that if you like. We'll pop that uh, uh, link to that in the show notes um but yeah so many different resources that suited your different stages of learning and also your different purpose for learning um because of course not all of it has necessarily been directed to say like travel um or something more academic it's been very varied um and I I think it's really great to hear that kind of experience from you as well because there must be so many other people out there who who feel like there is only one way or they have to try this particular method whereas actually it's it's great to be able to have so many things at your disposal yeah definitely and that was something that I really really enjoyed being able to decide what to use at any one time instead of just having one textbook or one course that I just had to start at the start and work my way through. I really love just being able to pick up an app, a podcast, a book at any one time and think oh today I'm going to do a little bit of this. So Michelle, obviously with um, your German language skills and all of, and your other language skills, of course, too, um, how do you use these today and, and how are you looking to develop them? Um, you know, what, what, what are you looking to do next? Ah, that's a good question. <laughs> many, many things. Uh, my next step is that at the moment I'm actually learning French, Italian and Portuguese. At the same time, (laughs) I know, (laughs) but I'm learning them through podcasts and my goal isn't to speak them at the moment. Hopefully in the future I would like to speak Italian, I'd like to come back to it, but at the moment my main goal is just to understand these three languages So at the moment, I just listen to a mix of podcasts, French, Italian and Portuguese, as well as German. 
and English. I'm a little bit obsessed with podcasts, but I listen. I use a little bit of Duolingo. I also use Drops, another app, and I just try to develop my understanding of these languages, which is actually going pretty well. But German is definitely my my passion language. That's the language that's in my heart. And I think I will always be a German learner. I say, I tell people now that I speak German because I do speak German. I speak to friends. I still speak to teachers. I speak to anyone who will listen to me. But I absolutely love speaking German. But I'm still learning. I still use Duolingo. I actually like to use the reverse tree on Duolingo for German, where you set it so that it's as if you're a German speaker learning English. And the vocabulary there, the German vocabulary is a lot more advanced. So it makes it quite interesting. I still use drops for German. Drops are bringing out new vocabulary lists all the time. So there's always something new to learn. I also listen to a lot of podcasts in German. And I still listen to podcasts for learners as well. The Coffee Break German are still bringing out new episodes and I still listen to them. But I also listen to a lot of podcasts which are just for German speakers, which I really, really enjoy and keeps me in touch with the language. I also have a language exchange partner we meet once a week speaking for half an hour in German and half an hour in English. I also have other friends that I practice German with. So I'm still very much a German learner, but I also teach German. So I also teach on italki. I teach English as well, and I absolutely love teaching German. So I really enjoy staying in touch with learning German through my students as well. I think that's a really, we've um, talked about this a little bit on the podcast before too, Michelle, about when you're in that position to have that proficiency to be able to then share your knowledge with people who are, you know, that bit kind of, you know, coming up behind you and how it's a really nice way to cement your own kind of knowledge in that language because you know because you're teaching someone else and you're like oh yeah that's this is what I struggle with and now look where I am and you know it's a great two-way two-way street um with with teaching English this is a little bit of an aside but I'm interested so I thought I'd, I'd throw it in there um how do you find you know teaching your mother tongue your your native language like is that a huge challenge for you because I know I reckon it would be for me <laughs> It was definitely interesting. As I mentioned, I actually went back to uni in 2020, at the start of 2020, to study linguistics in the view to being an English teacher. And I had to learn so much. (laughs) I did not, when I went to school, I went to primary school in the 80s and high school in the 90s. And during the time, (laughs) during the time I was at primary school, for some reason, there was a decision that was made that children would no longer be taught grammar. 
at all. No grammar whatsoever. So during my entire time at primary school, we never learned any kind of grammar terms. And when I went to high school in my German class, I remember I remember one day sitting in my German class and the teacher said to us, okay, now we're going to talk about verbs. And we all sat there with this blank look on our faces and we're like, what's that? And he was originally from Switzerland and he was absolutely shocked that we didn't know what a verb was. He said, how can you learn your own language when you haven't learned any of the grammar and we just we just weren't taught it and so what happened when i went back to uni is that we actually as part of the linguistics course i also majored in international english and so we actually had to do quizzes and tests about adjectives and adverbs and nouns and verbs and all these parts of speech that I'd had a little bit of knowledge of, but only through language learning, never in English, only in German, in Italian. When I'd learned these other languages, I'd learned about what verbs are, what adjectives are, what nouns are, that type of thing. And so when it came to learning English, it was difficult. (laughs) I had no idea. It took me so long to learn how English grammar worked because it's complicated. Mm. A lot of people say there are certain languages that have complicated grammar. To me, as an English native speaker, I think English is the most complicated (laughs) grammar of any language. I'm not sure how true that is, but to me, it feels like it. And so I actually had to spend a lot of time learning English. It felt like I was learning English from the start. I could speak it, but I couldn't actually talk with any authority about the grammar. So I was actually really, really pleased that I'd made that decision to go back to uni and study English, study linguistics and study English at the same time. Because then I started teaching English. I started teaching English online in October 2021. And by that time, I had learned a lot, but I still didn't feel ready to teach. I started anyway. I decided I'm going to start and just see how it goes. If it's a disaster, it's not the end of the world. It's fine. I'll just keep studying and eventually I'll get better. But I had over 20 years of teaching experience behind me. I'd been tutoring high school mathematics as a private one-on-one tutor for 22 years at that stage. And so I knew how to explain things to people. And I found that that really, really helped. Anything that I didn't know, I could look up, but I could actually explain the concepts to someone else and it helped me learn it a lot better myself and I've found that since I've been starting since I've started teaching German that it's the same thing I started teaching before I felt ready Mm -hmm. and I found that it made my knowledge just explode I learned things so much better when I had to explain it to someone else Fantastic. Oh, it's such a good, that is such a good lesson, I think, to pass on to people that sometimes even when you don't feel ready to do something, like 
you should just start because honestly, when are you ever going to feel ready? I think that very much applies to language learning too, especially when it comes to speaking. An interesting full circle um, from from where you started, where you were saying you hadn't done a lot of speaking and then, you know, once you did, you really felt that impact. And I think for so many people who are learning another language, you do have that like that initial fear of, of producing language because it's nerve-wracking, of course it is, but once you start doing it, you're you're bound to to improve pretty quickly definitely and it's become kind of my little I don't know whether you'd call it a motto but it's something that I live by nowadays it's do something before you feel ready because every time that I have done that everything has worked out so well and it was the same with traveling I mentioned that I'd uh done a few solo travels around Europe, a long extended uh, solo trip, and I definitely didn't feel ready to do that. And it was absolutely amazing. Well, I'm, I think just hearing your passion about this, talking to us, I, I'm sure that your students who you are teaching must be able to feel that passion as well. Um, do, you, do you find, is that what motivates you? Like a day by day, what is it that gives you that energy to, to, to turn up to all of your classes, to tell more people about the languages that, you're, that they're learning, to get them excited and make them enthusiastic? For me, the number one motivation is connecting with other people. I absolutely love it to be able to talk to people, to help them, but also just to hear their stories, to hear their perspective on things is just incredible. That's something that I have learnt so much about the world, but also about myself and my ways of thinking through connecting with other people. And that is definitely the number one most amazing thing that I have gotten out of this whole language learning and language teaching experience. Very true. I think <laughs> I think we're all nodding in agreement right now. <laughs> I know. It's inspirational words to live by. <laughs> um, Michelle, before we let you go, is there somewhere or there places that people listening who might want to follow along with what you're doing or connect with you online? Is there somewhere that you hang out that you are happy to share with with other people? <laughs> um, well, I'm probably most active on LinkedIn. I'd be happy if anyone wants to connect there. But I also post a lot on Instagram as well. If you'd like to see some of my travel photos from my many trips that I have made, I, you can go through my back catalogue on Instagram. There are an embarrassingly large number of photos on there. <laughs> but uh, recently I've also started posting about language learning but also about podcasts, which is my other great passion. And I've actually been posting a list of all the podcasts I listen to there, which is at last count 115 different wow. podcasts. Ooh, that's amazing. Uh, so if anyone would like to check that out, that's on my Instagram. It's also on my LinkedIn. What a great resource for other learners. That's that's amazing. Yeah. 100%. So good. All right, Michelle, we'll make sure that in the show notes there are links to those places. So if you want to find Michelle and uh, follow her journey and 
probably get access to her podcast list, which sounds <laughs> epic, um, then <laughs> you could go and find her there. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And also we have to thank you. Thank you for being a listener of this podcast too, because we know that you are an avid listener of Language Chats and we really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. I absolutely love this podcast. I find it so interesting to hear all the people that you interview, but also about your own journeys with languages. I find it so inspirational and so interesting to hear about how many different methods and different ways that people actually learn languages because everyone's different. And I just think it's so amazing to hear all the different ways that work for different people. So true. So true. Oh, thanks, Michelle. (laughs) Um, And thank you again for listening to another episode of Language Chats. And if you are finding this episode amazing, which we hope you are, please feel free to share with a friend who you think might also find it handy as well. And while you're at it, if you have a time to rate and review our podcast, we would be eternally grateful. And of course, if you would also like to join the Language Lovers AU community, just like Michelle and us, um, then join us on Facebook. Um, It is a group called the Language Lovers AU community. Um, You can also find us on Instagram, languagelovers.au. And of course, also at our website, languagelovers.com.au. Thanks again. And we'll catch you in another fortnight. See you next time. Thanks, Thanks, Michelle. Michelle. Thank you.